Uh, it definitely takes time to adjust. The first, after I graduated from university, and you get your first player that hops up and says, I need you to work on my shoulder, and you know that uh, they're on a $50 million contract, there's a, there's a little nervousness there to it. Eventually, as you realize that you're confident in your own skills, it, it goes away to an extent. Um, but there's definitely pressure to win at all times and having your best players available. So if there's anything that we can possibly do that's going to give that player an advantage um, health-wise, it's going to happen. Hello and welcome to episode number 30 of For Fit's Sake, the podcast brought to you by FS Gyms. This week, Sunday morning, myself and Rudds are joined by two very special guests. We've got Jesse Guffey, athletic trainer with the LA Dodgers. Jesse, how are you doing? Great. Glad to be here. Enjoying Ireland? Oh, always. Every trip's great. <laughs> and we're also joined by Frank Andrews, who is the strength and skills coach with Baseball Ireland. Frank, how are you doing? Quite well yourself. Good. All's great. Yeah. And Rudds, how are you this morning? Yeah, feeling good. Um, interesting watching the guys work this morning, uh, seeing some real athletes going through their faces. Yeah, not, not like we're training with you usually, but uh, the lads are making myself and Rudds share a mic today, so if we have to kind of jump between, the, excuse the volumes. Uh, so guys, we'll just maybe tell the listeners what, what was happening at the gym this morning. What, what were you guys doing with the athletes? So this morning we had a uh, workout with the national team for Baseball Ireland. Um, got to take a lot of the guys through a nice little screening and kind of identify some of the deficiencies that our guys have that we can work on for... Uh, the off season and try to keep the program moving forward. Yeah, and obviously coming off the success last year, Frank with winning winning the Euros, that's probably you know big step forward. Things need to keep pushing on. That's yeah, exactly. It's a pivotal year, so you know we're just trying to take the success and bring it to the next level. So what happens after you win the Euros? Is there sort of a step up, or what happens next yeah, for the so Irish we team? Won, we won the C pool, which is kind of the bottom level, right? So we advance to the B pool, which is kind of a higher class of athletes and all that stuff. So bigger competition, higher level, higher skill set. That's kind of what we're dealing with now. In terms of when uh, myself and Chris were chatting earlier, it was interesting. I would have always assumed with international baseball that America would have just absolutely slaughtered everyone, kind of like the basketball in the Olympics. But um, I was surprised to hear that that wasn't the case. Um, so, And even just some of the countries that uh, are doing well, like for instance, you said in Europe, the Netherlands are a very strong team. With my limited knowledge of baseball, I never would have known that. So in terms of the guys you're, you're saying you're going to be stepping up in competition, who will you be playing against in that B pool? I think we're playing the Netherlands. <laughs> yeah, we've got, some, we've got a few other guys in there. This is like our first live podcast. We've got a few people in the background here. We've got a total of 12 teams in the B pool. This is Chris, by the way, also of Baseball Ireland. Yeah. Um, so 12 teams in the B pool. Um, we'll be playing countries, uh, everyone from... Poland, uh, Switzerland, um, uh, Bulgaria, um, Slovakia, and uh, a range of other countries from, uh, from all over Europe. Okay, and what are the big demands and what are the areas that you guys have assessed you need to improve as a squad or as like a, na- a national program? What do you guys need to improve to compete at that level? Um, right now, it's about kind of changing the environment of a team to be more professional in how we go about training. And then on top of that, being more dedicated to the process you know it's no longer just hey we're just going to go out and play baseball and have fun this weekend it's now we have to take the next step be more dedicated to getting into the gym and 
developing our athletes well lucky for you guys you've probably got one of the best models in the world of amateur sports but that actually train as professionals in the GAA here in Ireland so you guys could probably I'd imagine if you look at any any uh, inter-county hurling club or football team you're probably guys going to get a very good idea of what that level of dedication looks like with with no monetary incentive at the back of it is that something you've looked into much yeah I mean that's every country has different kind of environments that you have to look into and the thing is exactly that there's no really monetary value for the dedication. So how do you inspire that dedication and still get the amount of people still coming out, the retention? And it, half our battle is just getting people to know that baseball exists, getting some backing, some funding, some support from you know, people in Ireland itself. That's the biggest uphill battle that we have. I'd imagine with the, uh, the crossover between the Gaelic sports, you'd imagine looking at the demands of hurling There'd be maybe some hurlers out there. If they had to go baseball, they might uh, they might pick Jesse it up. Jesse's kind of nodding. You've someone. seen hurling? Do you know what? I, I've been to a match in County Kildare, and it's a very... Not intense. a hurling stronghold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is definitely a... It's a lot of fun to watch, and there is a lot of crossover. The uh, fact that you have to be able to swing a hurl with both arms does translate well and create some good hitters. Um the ball is almost the exact same thing. Uh, the ball used in hurling is the ancestor to what eventually would become a baseball. Uh, so there are a lot of crossover in it. And the general in Ireland here, that's where you're going to find your good athletes that uh, hopefully we can steal <laughs> and uh, get a strong base. And that skill set definitely translates. And is that something that you've tried? I know, like, obviously, AFL, the Aussie Rules, they have a lot of success coming over here, running combines to take younger um, kind of inter-county prospects in football. I think they had a combine in UCD last week where they brought, I think, 20 athletes up. They tested them uh, to look at maybe sending over to Australia to work. Is that something that you guys have, have looked at, or is that a little bit further down the line, getting, getting some hurling guys together? Yeah, further down the line. Obviously, if anybody wants to come and try and learn how to play baseball, absolutely would love it, but... How do, how do they do that? So if someone's listening to this right now, um, you know, Inkle Kenny, who, who wants to give baseball a go, what, what can they do? How do just they get involved? Go on to baseballireland.com and just try and get one of the emails from there. Just be like, hey, I'm very interested in baseball. Just looking to try a new sport. Where can I find it and what can I do? That's it. Very and the president of the Baseball Ireland is Tom Kelly. And uh, Tom, Tom's email address is on that website. Um, <clears throat> again, we can find clubs for players, um, for beginners on up through through adults who maybe have migrated here, who have played some baseball in the past, or um, young kids from age seven or eight on up. We have a, a growing youth uh, youth club structure. We've gotten very organized in the past couple of years, and that will continue. It's a big part of our focus over the next couple of years is to, um, it, for the future, is to um, turn our, we've got our strategic roadmap laid out where the plan is to take our you know, roughly 200 kids and turn that into 2,000 in the next 10 years. So um, it's all well articulated. It's on the website for anyone to read. And um, yeah, the kids of the future. And um, part of what we did today with our development, we talked about the strength and conditioning, is to get guys into a baseball-specific program um, that is, ta again, tailored to baseball um, that may be different from other sports like rugby, um, you know, but but that's that's the plan. It is really about the kids, and baseballireland.com is, is where you can find out all the information you need. Especially with younger children, when you play a variety of sports at a young age, that sometimes you can get huge carryover in skills that help. So when I moved over to Ireland and started playing, 
Um, I saw but, you swing a hurl when you moved no, here. No, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that, I never carried that skill over. <laughs> um, but I was always so impressed. So I play second row in rugby and one of the big skill sets would be catching a ball over your head, whether it be a line out or a kickoff. Um, and I was always so impressed when I came over that the standard of skill for most of the guys I was playing with or playing against in my position was super high from and then you'd speak to them and they would have played Gaelic as kids and a huge amount of that was catching their ball over their head um, so from a comparison of a Welsh guy coming over I was blown away with that so if you think of your child or as a child sometimes trying out a few different sports when you're young you can pick up skills and movements that whatever you pursue in your later life they could have a carryover to make you a better athlete I think that theme of hurling that we just spoke about again we talked about Jesse you talked about swing swinging a hurley right and, and making contact with a ball when you think about that sport and the athleticism that's in that sport where players are running full speed, the balls hit the hit at them in 50 kilometers an hour with no glove. They go up barehanded, two guys on their back, catch the ball, two guys on the run. You know, they, they hit the ball, you know, 60 meters with precision, with velocity. You know, we talk about in baseball and hitting a ball hard with um, in the sweet spot. I mean, you can do that with a hurley. Yeah. Um, you can do that with a baseball bat. For me, there's light bulbs going off here. Um, like I don't, I'm sure you guys have thought of this, but like I know you got you guys are talking about how South America is a huge breeding ground for a lot of talent, and that's where you recruit a lot of talent from into Major League Baseball. Um, like, how is Ireland not a better breeding ground for... Like, have you seen the thing uh, Jackie Turrell went across with... Uh, he did a thing called the Toughest Trade where they swapped... Yeah. Um, Jackie Turrell went across to... What team did he go to? Boston Red Sox. Couldn't yeah, and, and basically his his big challenge for the whole thing was could he hit uh, the, a baseball you know thrown at him and uh, the guy was saying that when he went there his hand eye coordination was better for somebody first time picking up a baseball a baseball bat that he'd ever seen and it all came from hurling he'd never practiced swinging a baseball bat and I don't think he didn't knock it out of the park but I think he hit it in one of the three goals that he had and the coach it could have been a bit of pageantry for the cameras but he was saying that the, the level of coordination that he had from having a whole career of inter-county inter hurling was better than anything that they see in a collegiate level over there so you need to get over here and start you know percent but the one issue with that is then you have to teach overhand throwing and there's no sports in Ireland that have overhand throwing okay. so it's one of those things like we were talking about young age you have to get started at a young age learning to throw overhand and the longer that it takes you not to it just it just hurts the development overall okay and as well i'd imagine the physical development watching jesse you and the guys through some screens this morning and i was standing by the side and trying some of them myself <laughs> and uh you were laughing at me frank you're like rugby guy yeah <laughs> how stiff i was for the shoulder you'd imagine from a young age it's very important to start throwing to develop those phys physical characteristics or um throwing in general absolutely at a young age you start to do that and start to learn those patterns um the probably two biggest american sports uh football american football and uh baseball both require the ability to throw a ball uh so that is something you learn at a very young age we start t-ball um about five years old. So that skill set starts to develop really early on. Um, one of the big differences translating the skill set from hurling into baseball, um, which if you can run and swing at the same time, that's amazing. <laughs> but <laughs> Stand um, still. A, a baseball is coming at you anywhere from 80 to 106 miles an hour, which I don't know what that comes out to. And uh, Fast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah that's, that's very hard. Um, and the reaction time in that, which the Irish players here, there is good reaction time. 
Um, but the ball is not just coming straight. It curves, it moves all over the place and spins. Um, and the ability to track that is something that is lacking a little bit okay. just because it's not a part of Irish sport, um, which I'm sure there are some positions that I'm not up fully on my hurling. <laughs> but uh, if you have to read how that ball is moving, which with the high seams on that yeah. is going to move quite a bit. It's a completely different dynamic. Yeah. But having someone uh, throw something at you as hard as they possibly can and attempting to hit it in that small of a time frame is a skill that does take a long time to develop. And we have some very promising young players that started at a young age, which uh, their parents or whoever it may be discovered in baseball and got them involved at a young age. They have the potential. Uh, as of current, there's only one Irish-born player in the in the U.S. in professional baseball. Uh, he happened to move to the United States at age two, but he was born in <laughs> Belfast. <laughs> he was born in Belfast. Yeah, he was born in yeah. Belfast, so Northern Ireland, but uh, from the island yeah. itself, there is one current player. So obviously skill acquisition is a huge part of it, and that kind of like non-specialization, maybe for baseball, it might be better for sports where like kind of more field-based sports where there's there's general movement. It seems to be like baseball requires a lot of specific skill early on. With, with strength and conditioning then, is that something that the physical attributes need to be worked on from a very young age with these athletes? Most of our good players played multiple sports growing up they would have been the shortstop on their baseball team they would have been the quarterback on their football team they probably played some basketball they they did multiple sports so the coordination that has to occur especially at a young level is there um, most pitchers don't pick up pitching until roughly 16 years old so it takes it's a long time of developing just general athleticism before you translate it into baseball but the games all in the U.S. have kind of a certain basis, and throwing is something you learn early, which just isn't part of sport. In terms of the getting your body ready for throwing, so watching you go through the shoulder screens with the guys today, um, for the listeners out there, could you talk us through some, some of the demands that it would have on your body and what you need to do to prepare your body to be able to throw and to be able to play baseball? So a average, just normal human being has about 90 degrees of external rotation, 90 degrees of internal rotation. Your average professional baseball player is going to have about 130 degrees plus of external rotation, and that internal rotation becomes limited to 50-ish. So you're remaining at the same 180-degree range of a shoulder, but your body will make adaptations and change it in order to be able to uh, get a little more velocity on your throws and uh, throw with better mechanics. So there is, if you look at a shoulder of somebody who's played baseball, it is a very, very different shoulder than somebody um, that's played a different sport that didn't require throwing. And the body makes those adaptations, especially at a young age, and kind of adjusts for baseball. If you were to screen them out in a normal population, you're like, all right, that's pretty weird. Um, but if you look at the population of professional baseball players, there's a normal that develops, and that's why a lot of those guys, they're special, and that's why they end up succeeding. Is there anything you can do in terms of to strengthen the shoulder, to, to stretch the shoulder, to be able to get to increase that range of motion or increase that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we have tons and tons of programs to get our guys into that range. And we constantly measure to make sure we stay in a healthy range. 
over the course of a season, we play a lot, a lot of games and practice a lot. And through that, you end up having times where you'll lose some motion. Um, and then if you're just getting into the game, eventually your motion is going to change. If you're a guy that's 90 degrees of external rotation, that's slowly going to start creeping up and uh, making sure that you adjust but in a healthy pattern is very important. And maintaining strength at that new range of motion is the key to health. If your uh, shoulder's never been in this position before, it's going to have no clue how to protect itself. So learning how to protect yourself in those positions is crucial to maintaining health. And is that kind of one of your big, we had Kevin McLaughlin, a guy in from a company called Kitman Labs, or basically that they do a huge amount of um, creating software for injury prevention and injury recognition in athletes. Would that be one of your big markers when you're testing your athletes is constantly checking internal? I love the way we're all putting our, no one can see this, but everyone's got their arm up at 90 degrees trying to turn here when we're talking through this. Like, do you, do you is that something you test weekly or after games with your athletes to see if there's a risk of shoulder injury? Because I'm assuming shoulder and elbow wrist injuries are probably the big things that lead to downtime for baseball players so is that one of your big big risk factors yeah shoulder and elbow injuries are the ones that end up i mean you could still run into a wall you could still get hit by a ball there's still your acute injuries that are going to cost you time but your overuse injuries that end up being the uh large periods of time are the shoulders and elbows and we we have a full research and development department that looks at every possible um strength program and tr- always trying new things to um, change the game and get a one-up on it's a, a billion 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 dollar industry and any advantage you can get is crucial um, so I mean I don't think anybody in the world's figured it out if they have then uh, they're hiding it so <laughs> there's a lot of things that we look at and can correlate with this person will get injured it's a matter of when and this person has a low risk every player that we draft or bring in gets evaluated and given a score of what's their risk of being injured. Is it very low where they're pretty sound mechanically or is it something that there's a glaring problem that it's a matter of time before something bad happens? Because obviously the demands, like what's the typical workload for these guys during a season? Like we were talking about it roughly earlier, Chris, it's kind of blown my mind. So like how many games would these guys have to play throughout the course of a year? In professional baseball? Yeah. Uh, So at our minor league level, their seasons range from 50 to 142 games of regular season play. Um, Spring training, so your training camp is going to be around 30-ish games, and then you have your postseason and your playoffs, which uh, can be another 20 or so, depending on your league. So at the major league level, it's 162 regular season games, 30-some spring training games, and then your playoffs. So this past year with the Dodgers being in the World Series, um, so the World Championship for... Uh, American baseball that <laughs> that makes sense oh in America we call all of our championship so yeah that equals out to check my math about 210 total games yeah. and you're practicing every day you're not playing a game so during the span from mid-February to the last week of October uh, there is no off you might have a day where you're flying across the country or there's travel happening but there is no days off it never ends for you guys in terms of the athletic trainers the physiotherapists the strength and conditioning staff like wh- where does the time come in to 
help these guys you know get stronger or is it a case of just trying to keep everyone healthy in that sort of competition so um baseball your strength is mostly gained in your off season so we have a full strength staff that works with our 200-ish players um develops individualized programs for them with looking at their needs and tries to gain as much strength as they can they're in the weight room during the season um usually two three times a week and trying to maintain what you have um if you look at a curve so everyone starts off at a middle point and then as you have to play every single day your health is going to start to deteriorate so if you can just get in the gym and bring that uh back up to kind of staying in a straight line and not dipping down to where you're going to risk injury that's kind of the goal Uh, we have massage therapists physical therapists athletic trainers we have every resource you can ever want available to them and to make it through that many games in that long of a season it takes a full team to do so but the off season is where you make your big strides in strength i imagine that's a pretty stressful environment for you working in then as an athletic trainer like you've got billion dollar industry you're dealing with guys who are worth hundreds of millions we had um donna and sue in here earlier in the year and uh like you know just everyone was kind of tippy toeing around the guy in case anyone ki- went went obviously in case he killed us because he's so big but you know you know you're, you're looking at a guy who's worth you know whatever amount of million as, as a professional athlete uh is you know what's that environment like something you get used to very quickly dealing with these guys or is there a little bit of extra pressure added on with certain players to keep them healthy uh, it definitely takes time to adjust. The first, after I graduated from university and you get your first player that hops up and says, I need you to work on my shoulder, and you know that uh, they're on a $50 million contract, there's a, there's a little nervousness there to it. Eventually, as you realize that you're confident in your own skills, it, it goes away to an extent. Um, but there's definitely pressure to win at all times and having your best players available so if there's anything that we can possibly do that's going to give that player an advantage um health wise it's going to happen um and then maintaining them through that season the player's health and life is far more important than you know a few games so um taking care of our players so that they're in a good position for the rest of their life uh is very important to us so there is definitely some pressure and I mean the whole team feels it when the championship's on the line um which there's a gigantic ring and large bonuses and all of that involved so and having 50 some thousand people a night watch you millions more on television there's there's a pressure to it the first time you have to run out on a field to evaluate someone and you look around and every single person is watching you and you know that your family's watching it on TV, and it, it's stressful at first, but um, over time it becomes normal, and uh, you just get used to the fact that if you make a mistake, everybody in the world just saw it. So, <laughs> but it's it's that's a really good thing because, like, for you as an athletic trainer, like self belief is just as important for you dealing with these guys as it is for those guys going out and you know taking taking them out or whatever it is. Like, it it just shows how within an organization, no matter what your role is, everyone plays an important role, and believing in yourself and your abilities is huge across the board, not just with the end product. What people see. Yeah, absolutely, and we have probably I would say biasly the strongest medical staff in uh, professional baseball 
And with that, the skill set that's there, there's a confidence that has to come with it. And our players trust and know that they're getting the best possible treatment. Um, and a lot of them appreciate it. And it helps to create a good relationship, which is why uh, the Dodgers have been to two uh, championships in a row and um, continue to be at the top of MLB every single year. In terms of for you guys, Frank and Chris, to be able to have a member of that medical team over with you guys for Baseball Island, that's incredible learning for you, but also for a player coming up. You talked about trying to bring that youth pathway. Like what an opportunity for guys who are 17, 18 to learn what their deficiencies are and what they need to do to get better as an athlete. Exactly, 100%. It's been great having the guys over. Uh, they've just been around them, picking their brains. They have a lot of great things to say, a lot of great knowledge to impart. And it's just our job to take it and kind of move forward with it so we can, so we can have that higher level that we're trying to reach. It's an education. You know, I think a lot of, a lot of our, um, a lot of us, all of us would have come from different backgrounds where maybe strength and conditioning might have been just trying to get a beach body. You know, you're just trying to bench press as much as you can with real no end goal and not necessarily sports specific. I think that when we get to have um, conversations with Jesse and the guys and friends of uh, Baseball Ireland, I think um, our guys get to see maybe some of the some of the preconceived uh, notions they thought about what mm. was proper baseball training were, were actually false and open-mindedness of the players to mm. to actually be willing to learn and to um, to you know see from to Jesse's point from the elite level right the um, you know some of if not well, I'll say the best um, you know uh, medical staff um, in all of professional baseball you know that that carries clout we mm. all we're all fans of baseball we love to you know be around players from professional baseball mm. and the guys just I think naturally going to listen and be open-minded to in listening to the coaches uh, about how they can become better baseball players. I think mm -hmm. our, our young guys, it's really and our existing um, veterans. It's all about trying to re-educate mm -hmm. um, and continue to strive to be better um, and, and through strength and conditioning um, to become better baseball players. And kind of with that, like what I found there watching, it's very interesting to watch you dealing with the, the guys going through their screens. Um, like people think, you know, when you're, you're just speaking to a guy like yourself, someone who's at an elite level working with fresh athletes all the time, I, hopefully you're going to say this and I don't have to say it, but what people be surprised is how the basics translate to, from the very top all the way down to no matter who you're working with. I'm not belittling what you were doing by any means, but I'm looking at it saying, okay, that's similar to a lot of screens that we would do or, or that you would do with other sports. It's kind of the basics done really well like still clearly from looking at what you're doing today goes all the way to the very top now the eye that sees these things and the detail that knows how to correct all these things is that's where the skill comes in that's where the knowledge comes in but it, it looked like you know it's the basic stuff executed really well as what you were doing with these guys this morning yeah I, humans are humans so um, whether it's a person who's playing a game for uh, 30 million dollars a year or the person that's just walking down the street here the human body doesn't change a whole lot. There are different things that develop, and uh, even the young players here that have only been playing for a little bit, a lot of them have, are starting to develop the exact same patterns that we have in high-level players. And going through the screens, it's a little bit funny looking at uh, the deficiencies that some of the guys have and being like, all right, well, we have players with the exact same deficiencies and seeing that not a whole lot changes, but um medically and strength conditioning wise there's always new techniques and new thought processes and philosophies but um people have been strength training for thousands of years and it's worked so you know 
why get rid of that with the recovery then that's kind of obviously you're talking about that huge workload 200 plus games keeping these guys healthy um, I'm going to ask two parts of this question one is how do the players recover quickly in, in that short period of time what, what are the key strategies that you guys use um, there are a lot of parts to it uh, we have a really strong nutrition department and it's a nutrition first approach in which um, the players we have people chefs and whatnot serving them everything that they need on a regular basis. So they have access to anything that they can need from that standpoint. Um, we have every means possible, hot tubs, cold tubs, uh, every modality that exists for recovery. We have it. Um, plus massage people and stuff. Anything that a player likes for recovering, it's probably an option for them. Okay. So, so preference based with the players, what they yeah, feel. Our, and the volume between players is so different. Uh, you can have a starting pitcher that'll throw every five days in a game um, or, you know, your shortstop that's going to play every single day. So each player's demands that one guy is going to have a huge, huge demand, but it's only every five days. So you have a little bit of freedom and you start to get into good routines and developing the routines is one of the, that's the key to success. If you have a strong routine and your body gets a chance to um, kind of acclimatize to that and know what the workload and the stress load that's coming, you have a better shot at having recovery and staying healthy. Um, it's when you see the workload shift in, this is not just for baseball. If you go through a, a month period where all of a sudden the workload goes way up, your injury risk is going to go way up. So monitoring the workload and if we have to have a cutback in the strength conditioning because we've had, you know, a lot of games that have gone into extra innings or overtime for, I guess, yeah. most every other sport, <laughs> um, you have to adjust for that and know that that workload, you want to keep it as consistent as possible throughout the course of the season. And I think that's a big part of our recovery programs. Stress on the body, whether it's from the baseball or whether it's in the gym, like you say, any sort of bump up or increase in that, it doesn't matter. Like your body doesn't necessarily know that it's from being in the gym or whether it's, like you said, games going to extra time or extra innings. Yeah, if you play a game, if you go hike a mountain, if you go to the gym, stress is stress on the body and trying to maintain a consistent workload and, uh, kind of keep ourselves in a routine is very important and being able to make those adjustments. That's one of the things I see a lot of struggle with in amateur level sports is knowing, all right, well, there was a huge spike in uh, effort this month and not making any type of adjustment for it. So if your workload, it does go up, you need to adjust in other ways. Uh, so that's one of the things that I think helps us really succeed is knowing workloads and adjusting for them. And the second part of the question is, how do you recover as a coach personally if you're dealing with that level of stress all the time? I'd imagine for you, like, you know, the off season isn't an off season. That's prepping everybody to get ready again for the year coming up. So like, how do you deal as a coach, as a trainer? How do you deal with that stress and your own recovery? So, uh, yeah, my off season hasn't started still and baseball has been done for a couple months. So, um, there just is no off season. Um, a lot of people get burned out. A lot of the average career is about five years long before people uh, leave and the people that make it past five stay forever. It takes a, how many years are you at? Uh, seven. Okay. Right. So you're, you're, you're screwed then. Yeah. <laughs> I'm stuck forever. Um, so it's, 
it's tough and everybody has something to enjoy. Uh, we have a lot of golfers that, so uh, I wrote, I was writing down when you're talking about 90 to 130 degrees of external rotation and shoulder, I was saying that's, uh, you're looking at some pretty good golfers right there on that test alone. Oh, it, I don't understand what the uh, correlation is, but pitchers are always phenomenal golfers. But uh, rotation, all that yeah. rotation through core and strength. If you look at the motions, they're very, very similar. Um, but having something to keep you grounded and uh, keep you focused. <laughs> Golf would be good for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, definitely helps. Uh, knowing that the players are the most important thing and having the right intentions and right motivation is very, very important. Uh, but you're constantly on the road. Um, you might not see your family for a few weeks. Uh, it's, it's tough and it's definitely not for everyone, but I love it. And I don't think there's anything else I'd ever want to do. And by having those routines, just like the players, you've probably got your own routines for what you do when you're coming down off those kind of stressful periods. It's just as important. Yeah. Every day in the season looks pretty much the exact same when you get up in the morning and you have your routine through, um, hopefully it's a day where you get to go out and play golf or do something and there's not a surprise like doctor's appointment or something you got to do um, but staying in a routine as well I, our schedules will change it'll be uh, home games or away games you might play in the morning you might play in the afternoon you might play at night and there's changes like that but just staying consistent with our routines um, it can get old when you're at a game 130 and you've just sat through over and over because if you don't understand appreciate the game of baseball uh, a lot of people say it's boring but it's it's not it's one of the most beautiful games to watch and if you enjoy it it's it it's not a slow crawl it's something to stay excited about every day but uh staying passionate and keeping a routine helps everyone get through and obviously you guys are on a tight schedule i know you've got to get up to galway as part of your your tour of the country that you're on at the minute and so what i'm going to suggest for you guys as some, another kind of personal recovery from the the tour de force that you've been on since you've been here is the uh, diving boards in salt hill i know i was chatting to the guys earlier you said you love swimming mostly in santa monica and venice where it's <laughs> about 30 degrees warmer in here but uh i'm going to challenge you guys to go for a little dip you're in galway for a few days it's uh the 9th of December so it's probably a good, good time to get in for a swim if you guys fancy it I think it'd be uh, it'd be good and it'd help reduce the stress load that's been on the body I think you guys will enjoy it get a coffee from our friend uh, what was that guy's name? I don't know he had a van there there's, nice. yeah there's a nice little coffee van there's also hot whiskeys close by we didn't go for those as we had to drive back to Dublin but uh, it'd be a good experience you guys will enjoy it so guys listen I just want to say th thanks so much for coming in we, we really enjoyed watching you work Jesse and you guys working together with all the, the development athletes it's been really exciting to get to know a lot more about baseball Baseball Ireland and where it's going what kind of exciting things you guys have coming up in the future um, and thanks so much for coming in enjoy the rest of your time in Ireland we appreciate it thanks for having thanks us thanks for having us cheers guys